0: You know, I've talked about this with lots of uh, junior designers and to know that imposter syndrome is okay. Everyone gets it at all different levels. It's not just folks, you know, applying for their first positions and breaking into a new field. It's everyone. It's, you know, going in, moving up a level within the same company. You can have those feelings. You can have those feelings switching between companies, Uh, maybe, you know, popping into a new role in a new company uh and that and that's okay uh, go go out and get resources and and become more educated in that area and build confidence and talk to other folks and and learn uh that's okay everyone has imposter syndrome at all levels even the executives
1: hello everyone Today I'm talking to Sarah Donaldson, the lead product designer at Fullscript. Sarah shares how she got into the design industry by accident, what is the difference between an intermediate and a senior designer, and how you can start positioning yourself as one. We also talk about what makes recruiters ignore candidates just because of their job application. And we discuss Sarah's expectations of portfolio, resume, interviewing and asking good questions in the interview and lastly we touch on the topic of design ops and what makes a good design lead enjoy hey sarah hey how are you
0: good thank you carol how are you
1: I'm freezing cold, but uh, other than that, pretty good. And um, I'm I'm super. I was super excited to to having this conversation with you. Um, it's been a long time. We've been trying to set something up, and um, I'm sure you'll bring a lot of value to the audience and uh, share a lot of uh, valuable insights.
0: Awesome! Thank you! Thank you so much for having me. I know we've talked about this a few years ago, and so I've been building anticipation and uh, and nerves. <laughs>
1: and getting more and more experience
0: <laughs> yeah 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 things have changed a little bit since then
1: yeah so I'll, I'll ask a few more questions on i guess the the comparison between different environments and like different um types of companies uh, from your experience and uh, yeah how do those compare like what was your uh maybe takeaways uh, from those experiences so this is yeah one of the most exciting parts um of of your profile is that you have a very broad and diverse set of experiences in many different roles and uh, many different companies and yeah, I'm sure you've learned a lot from these experiences.
0: yes, yeah, I've done a i done it a couple of different ways uh, i've I've had awesome experiences working with a lot of startups, some startups you know from day one, employee number three. Uh, you know group of 10 of us uh, to you know larger startups around you know the 40 50 person mark uh, as well as you know previously before i was a graphic designer so i worked with a lot of graphic design clients uh, always more interested in the the web and digital side of it and so that was a natural progression into into ux and product design for myself um, but with all of these experiences they really brought you know different perspectives to working with different types of users, which is so interesting. I mean it's amazing to be able to hop into a new project and and learn about a totally different uh, user type than than you were working with previously. Um, but all of these different size companies, the process within them is rarely the same. Uh, it just depends on the size. you have different silos and things of that sort. so currently I, I'm with a company there's about 600 of us uh, at Fullscript. the design team right now I believe by March will be about 13 designers and so uh, different different problems come with about you know 13 designers rather than just myself working at a startup or myself and you know two or three other designers and so uh, I'm navigating that change right now
1: yeah I'm, and and um... I've had experience also working on small teams and larger teams, and definitely different types of mechanisms that you need to introduce and uh, work out when you have bigger teams. That's yeah, there are some pros and cons to that, to, to different um, sizes of teams for sure.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: So, you mentioned what you do today. So, you work at uh, full script and the size of the team, and uh, maybe you can start from the From the early days what what really caused you to get interested and start in this industry and how did you do it how did you get into the industry
0: yes yeah so as i mentioned you know my background was in graphic design it during my degree i was always interested in the digital side of it and so i loved coding i loved building websites at that time you know web design uh for my my end project I was, I created an app without even really understanding what the term UX was at that time. Uh, this is, you know, about 10 or so years ago. Uh, and then I I was cutting my teeth, you know, being a contract uh, graphic designer and, and working with clients. And so it, during that stage, I really understand, understood how to, you know, manage multiple projects, you know, uh, work with clients, you know, understand like work on a lot of those soft skills, which I found really valuable. Work on timelines, deadlines, expectation management, and then uh, I came on. Uh, I moved from Victoria to Kelowna. I joined this startup. It was very scrappy. Uh, I was doing the web design. Uh, they had about sixteen websites that I, I would, you know, uh, designed and did light front end development at that point. Uh, and you know, one time got called into the to the head office and and they said, okay, we let go of our UX designer. Now you can do this job. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know I dabbled around it, but I, I really didn't understand what it was to we had 16 apps at that point. Uh, they were all fairly similar but branded uh, with a different visual style but same feature set. And so uh, I said, okay, let's, let's do this. This is how you learn. This is why you work at startups is, you know, try new things and and cut your teeth. And so I dove in headfirst and it was the most amazing and painful experience ever because you're doing things that you just don't know. You're not the experts. You don't, you don't know all the answers, extreme imposter syndrome uh, you know, developers asking, saying, why is this the best idea? Why would you put this here? Uh, you know, everyone has ideas. And so you're trying to defend your ideas. At that point, I wasn't familiar with user research. I didn't have those tools and skills. And so it was really myself against everyone else. And so I was trying to read and research as much as I could. But the the resources out there weren't like they, they are today. This was, you know, eight years ago. Um, and so I decided to take a, a boot camp uh, and and learn and and see where I could fill the camps on things I didn't know. And and that really gave me the confidence to say, I don't know. Uh, let me go find out. I need to, you know, send a survey. I need to talk to some customers, talk to some users, do some testing. Uh, and that totally changed everything for me. It was like, Graphic design was so subjective. It was your opinion versus the client's, uh, and this was a whole new world where I just fell in love with data and having answers and being able to explain why and being okay being wrong and 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 trying new things. And so uh, I fell in love with the profession there and and went and worked at a handful of different startups that all you know ran their course for different reasons, um, but. I, I wouldn't change the path.
1: <laughs> mm. And uh, I've heard about the, I guess the pains and the, <laughs> oh, like yeah. going through startup world and the experience in working at the startup. I had some, some of that experience myself and it's definitely, it feels like it's, a, a, first of all, maybe it's, again, we're generalizing here because different startups will have different leadership and different processes and uh, experiences. Uh, but, I think the pattern here is that, like, yeah, lots of startups would be less structured. They would be more random sometimes, and just like uh, dealing with fires and uh, trying to change the wheels. I think there's like a metaphor, like changing the wheels while the car is moving. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think it's yeah, completely resonates with with my experience in the, with startups. Uh, but I think you're you're totally right, and I had the same experiences, uh, same observations that. When you go through this, when kind of people, when you are being thrown into something that you don't know, especially when you change teams, change companies, change different products you work on, every next change, every next really, this it's almost like a shock um, that you are thrown into this new area. But it's almost also it's a much more accelerated uh, growth phase, and at least it has been in my experience. So. I see these changes as a huge benefit of really faster learning, faster growing relationships and network, and also acquiring some new skills um, and learning from other team members, right? Um, Who may be designers themselves, maybe product managers, maybe even like leadership, depends on whom you interact with and engineering. So for me, like my experience in startup was really, I learned so many again from other roles that weren't necessarily design related, but really understanding how business works, what really happens in QA world, what happens like in engineering, all the challenges with sales, what drives them. It's really very. I think it's a, a good school to go through, and obviously different startups will may have different um, combination of like pros and cons, and maybe not every startup will will give you enough learning, like the same amount of learnings as the others. But yeah, I think it. I think there is lots of value in working in, in this kind of more agile and more fast-paced environments, even if it's not maybe like for the whole life uh, that you would want to stick with it in the same pace. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that there... Yeah, I agree. There are lots of are lots of value there.
0: Yeah, I, I always find it interesting. Startups, uh, a lot of folks think of startups as being folks very early in their career, excited about something, banding together, and, and making something happen in hackers, a lot of cases yeah, yeah that's that's true <laughs> uh, but I've actually worked at startups with folks that have been in the industry for 15 20 years worked at disney right. uh, ea lots of large companies and and wanted the change of to work at a startup and have more flexibility and, and be scrappy and so uh, there's opportunities to learn from so many people in in either you know startup or a larger corporation
1: yeah. And uh, I was also I wanted to ask another question. So you mentioned that you were the like the sole uh, designer um, on the team, and probably multiple times, right? I wonder if you have any maybe takeaways or what you found worked for you. Because we just talk about your particular experience, right, and your path. What worked for you to to help you um, build trust? with uh, other team members and leadership especially with smaller companies when you work more with um, senior leadership uh when you were just the single person on the team and when the team and the the project partners maybe weren't as educated on the value and on really built, like basically trusting that you can do the job so how maybe any tips that you could share there
0: yeah that's uh that's actually kind of how i i I found, we'll talk about it shortly about, you know, design operations, but uh, that's how I fell in love with the, the design process was, you know, Kelowna was at the time very behind Vancouver in, you know, design thinking maturity and UX maturity within, you know, startups and, and uh, company, tech companies here. And so... Part of my job, every place I went was educating everyone, the whole company. Even you know, right from the interview process, you know, ex- you know they they probably had a template job description, and so I had to go in a little bit further right. and actually you know educate the person I was interviewing with about, well, oh, you know, it would actually work like this, and you know, I would love to be you know paired early on with the product manager and the tech lead right from the beginning and. Know validating our ideas and why user research is important. And uh, I always found you know the the big aha moments were bringing like trying to get buy in for user research, going away, doing it as fast as possible, and bringing it back. That was the aha moment. You know people didn't really understand until they saw that that data. Oh, this these pieces aren't working. This piece is really working for us. Um, you know, it's not just about our own opinions. Uh, everyone thinks that they have the best idea, and then once they saw that data and, and saw the importance of it, it really changed. And you know, once you have that buy-in, they're they're along for the ride. They're like, "Let's do this process correctly. How how can we do this the right way? You know, we clearly we're missing out on opportunity here. Let let's do it right." Um, and so I had a lot of success doing that, and. I love going in and working with you know product managers or product operations and really restructuring that process to involve design earlier in the process and and be user centered which is yeah, I just love it
1: yeah that's a very very i think that's super valuable um takeaway and uh, a tip on how to build trust quickly. So you go and do some guerrilla style quick, as soon as possible. <laughs> so you can b- bring at least some data um, to show value and like almost like like a spoiler alert of sorts. And then you <laughs> get more support. You have more chances to get support um, to do the uh, more robust studies potentially and more of them and um, d- diving deeper into more parts of the product and experience. I think, yeah, that's that's a very good tip.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Cool, okay. So um, thinking like, especially for folks who are starting today, um, what may be the, the most notable lessons learned from your career that you're now kind of in retrospect thinking that you wish you knew this uh, when you were starting, like that it would, it would help, would make your life easier uh, to grow in your career and maybe to find the next job, and uh yeah and be become a better designer
0: yeah i think you know i've talked about this with lots of uh junior designers and to know that imposter syndrome is okay everyone gets it at all different levels it's not just folks you know applying for their first positions and breaking into a new field it's everyone it's, you know, going in, moving up a level within the same company. You can have those feelings. You can have those feelings switching between companies, uh, maybe, you know, popping into a new role in a new company. Uh, and that, and that's okay. Uh, go, go out and get resources and, and become more educated in that area and build confidence and talk to other folks and, and learn, uh, That's okay. Everyone has imposter syndrome at all levels, even the executives. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, I... (laughs) almost every day kind of have sometimes this thought that like actually especially when you know uh, some methods or some parts of the process kind of you you haven't been kind of practicing on like everyday basis it's like oh, actually let me let me try to remember what, what what I was doing two years ago on this front <laughs> and I was like ah am I, am I even good yeah. yeah you always doubt yourself yeah maybe yeah, unless you're Kanye West probably um, who <laughs> seems like fully um, immune to this feeling yeah <laughs> Awesome. awesome. I think that's (laughs) definitely, um, yeah. And uh, I think it also like realizing that um, you cannot know everything, even after going through many, many years of experience, and that it's totally fine to. understand this fact and accept it i think it, it kind of also also calms you down at least for me it's really kind of yeah like you're just a human and uh, you are great at some things and maybe you're not as great on some other things and that's fine because there are so many resources and tools that you can just uh go and learn it if you want and uh, practice more and then you how you get better um yeah it's yeah we're all humans and that's kind of my conclusion here as well Uh, thinking about kind of from the other angle like the other side of this um, uh, market spectrum uh, like starters uh, and entry levels and the senior folks I know a lot of folks who are in this kind of intermediate phase uh, and again it's all subjective so it's really hard to put like any number of years uh, or number of companies or number of I don't know even design methods that you know so it's such a challenging topic overall, like on a, I mean, different topic about the, how do you really evaluate experience like this? But people who are trying to really get to this next step in their career, who are trying to get like from a a designer to a senior level designer to a lead designer potentially, and they maybe don't know what, like what, what exactly, what it takes, right? And obviously in different companies, um, the expectations and the role definitions And the team structures uh, could be so different. Uh, But I'm curious to hear from your experience and from your path, uh, if you have observed some patterns, uh, some repeating patterns of what really makes a senior or or what makes a lead designer, because you've been a lead um, at several companies already. So what really this skill set, maybe behaviors, maybe something else, that um, differentiates between the designer and a senior lead designer
0: yeah so let's uh, that well, this is something we're talking a lot about at full script uh, majority of our team are in that intermediate phase uh, and either you know just about to move up into a senior role or you know planning to and so we're always very transparent on what are the next steps to move into next level that you're interested in. And we're building out that, you know, that IC role right now, whether we're going to call it staff or principal, I don't know. Uh, But at intermediate level, I I usually find folks don't know whether they want to, you know, go the individual contributor route or the lead route. And so some of those skills to sharpen really depend which way you, you want to go. And so to go from an intermediate into a senior, we're looking at things like, you know, exposure. Do they have exposure? Do Do most folks on the team uh, know who they are and and uh, their area of expertise? And are they a person to go to for a specific thing? Uh, also, things uh, like, do they understand the big vision and and the pieces? Not just does a you know does a product manager come and say here's the solution we need we need this icon it's more than that it's uh you know pulling back and being able to say hey uh, what are we trying to achieve here what what are our outcomes who are the the personas that we're we're building for this for is this the ideal solution and you know being able to raise that flag and say hey let's step back for a minute that. That's starting to show more senior qualities when when they can you know raise that flag and and know when uh, a solution is right or or whether they need to pull away the onion a little bit further. Uh, senior qualities are also being able to run projects on their own with you know minimal uh, oversight from a more senior designer they they can um, hold together whether, uh, I know full script, we call it a three headed monster, uh, the product manager, the tech lead and, and the designers, you know, can they run in that in that grouping, in that pod without a lot of oversight and, and help and and really drive the efforts there. The differences between a senior and a lead role. You know, lead uh, is more has more leadership qualities at at that level. They're they're usually leading a few team members, uh, whether it's rather than a senior might be you know helping out uh, and helping mentor another designer. Or lead would be you know being the person to help with all the areas of career development and coaching and and be there for the team and and help them through different areas. Uh, we also you know take on different initiatives. Uh I know we talked a little bit about design operations and so a lead might have an area of specialties that they they also contribute to.
1: hmm So but in that case uh the reporting structure um so the the folks that they lead is mentoring and helps them to to grow in their career. They're not necessarily reporting to that lead or they are. Uh they are
0: yeah.
1: No. So it's almost like a manager. Yeah. So, what's the difference then between the manager and the lead?
0: Uh, a lead might be for a specific area. So, full script it's for a specific area, say activation and retention, or mm. you know, uh, specific area. Uh, that's that's one way of doing. it. I know there's so many different ways. I've read uh, how different places do it, um, but this would be for a specific area and and a group of designers.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's great that you have this support uh, of the structure of like the mentoring and coaching practice uh, within your team. But think of uh, teams where there is not as much support or at least not that like, people maybe don't know how to set it up. So if somebody is a is a like intermediate level and they do want to uh, grow into this senior level, at least um, the next step. What, maybe, maybe you can share any advice on how can they do it? Like from the from their lens, and not wait until like it's, they, they get an advice from a mentor.
0: Yeah. So taking on taking on more projects, or not? I shouldn't say more projects. Don't take on more projects. Don't don't <laughs> <laughs> overload yourself. uh but you know, have that initiative. Say, hey, I can help with that. Uh, I love to learn more about that. Uh, put your hand up. Uh, be open to, you know, if someone's onboarding uh, another designer, say, hey, I'd love to get them up to speed. Maybe that person has, you know, more experience than you do, but you're the one onboarding them and teaching them where all the files are, you know, what your process is. That really shows that you understand, uh, you know, the design position and, and how to do things. And, and you can share how to, um, you know, collaborate and teach someone else and mentor someone else. Um, Also being able to, you know, take on maybe smaller projects, but on your own and and show that you can take that on and and manage up, share updates often, you know, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, Um, you know, and communicate, communicate cross-functionally. I think that's a big thing that senior folks excel at is they, they communicate more and they communicate across different teams. And so that would be, you know, those items would be great, uh, to see in an intermediate designer.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's, it resonates with, uh, what I've observed, uh, makes like a difference, at least even in the, even like the scope of ownership and, uh, the way how folks are, are willing to take more initiative and, um, Yeah, just gonna go and run on their own, and obviously they—it's totally fine to ask for support from some team members and potentially even other designers on the team. Uh, But really, being this having this driver, uh, driving force in you, um, and obviously going through the proper process and communicating all the updates and everything um, makes a difference, and it definitely changes the perception of this person uh, within the team that uh other kind of other team members uh think of their level and um, what they think that they should be at like maybe at next level or something totally makes sense uh but maybe you could also compare like what's the the main differences w- like in day to day between like a senior and a a lead and a intermediate level designer so kind of what's really maybe the, uh, as an example right like a huge portion of a day like 6 hours a day is meetings for bleed as an example right because they have team to manage and they have more other of this kind of career conversations so it's not really the craft itself uh as like moving pixels in figma or whatever whatever tools they use uh so maybe you can have like this especially with with your track of uh, of of job titles and the scope of ownership of your jobs what's really the pattern here like what 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 differences should they expect when they move to a senior or lead role?
0: Yes, the so senior roles, uh, senior roles. I, I imagine usually. I mean, it's all it's different depending on the company and the team makeup. But seniors, uh, I do see them in more meetings than intermediate. They're in bigger meetings around, you know, strategy, cross-functional meetings. Being, they're also sometimes coming even early in the process before a project kicks off. Um, so, yes, I do see them in more meetings, but they're still contributing and they're still doing a lot of the work. Um, and they're taking on meatier projects, maybe more complex projects, uh, maybe, you know, multiple user types or you know highly critical projects within the company where it's, you know, um, maybe not make or break, I don't want to say make or break projects, but you know, big, big, high exposure projects. Uh, for lead designers, yes, we, we are not in Figma as much. Uh, that has pros and cons. My time mostly has been in Figma, in FigJam, thinking of, you know, more around workshops and uh, design operations planning and and things of that sort. And more so, giving time, you know, giving feedback, working with designers one on ones, big big strategy, you know, with, uh, you know, executives and things of that sort, and and the directors, um, and then cross functionally working with other product leads, and so uh, yes, more more meetings, uh, but still try to keep it under six hours a day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's I've heard as well, and. Um... Even I see that the change like in tools, right? So like the more you have to communicate with others, especially cross-functional uh, teams, the more the tools become email and uh, like all the present like work online collaboration tools uh, like Jam or others uh, similar ones or um, some like some people still use like PowerPoint a lot like for all those really trying to align different folks and different teams. And uh, yeah, it's less about the design and really the craft, like that you potentially started with, right? As a as a um, individual contributor. So thank you from the uh, because it's such a it's almost like a different job, right? Like when you're a lead uh, with like reporters, uh, people reporting to you or, or manager depends on the terminology for a company. There there is still there are still lots of companies who think that. The manager track is the natural progression for the career for folks for every designer, regardless if they have this, um, uh, 10 not tendency but uh, skills necessary or desire uh, actually and desire to lead the team, right? So, and it's kind of sad to see that uh, sometimes in like excellent individual contributors are being pushed just because there's like this almost Kind of unspoken, not, not not sometimes even unspoken expectation and assumption that if you if you don't grow and like don't change anything in your career in, within the company, that means you're stagnating, right? And then in most cases, like not not in most cases, but very often, the next step is, expected step is to go management route. And I've seen actually failed examples uh, when people become unhappy. Uh, they they do their job not in the best way because. Not every person has the skills or desire to lead a team because it's completely different job from my point of view. Um, so maybe you have like any... So if a person who is at this stage and they are almost like in this segue, not segue, but um, uh, a decision point when they need to choose if they want to go the management route or I keep going the IC route if there is an option within the company. How can one really maybe get a better understanding of what would work for them before going into the management around. So if there's like any, maybe, I don't know, activities or maybe tips, how can one really almost like trial run of sorts uh, to really understand if it's, if it's your thing or not, because it's theoretically, it's really hard.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It's a, it's a hard thing to know. Like, it is uh, which way you want to go and what's going to be the best fit for you. And and like you said, I, I also have seen folks go down the manager route and they don't want to do it and it isn't a good fit and no one enjoys it. And, and it's not uh, fun if your heart's not in it. You have to really love it because there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days and there's going to be hard conversations. and mm. But there's also a lot of fun. And so yeah, ways to test it out, you know, ask to be able to, you know, run. Uh, take on a small project and a small team uh, with your company. If they're, you know, you know, hey, can I see this big project coming up? Can I take the lead on it and bring on a few other designers and see how that feels and and see if I enjoy that? And it's going to be hard, but see, you know, if you can, you know, gel and find aspects that you, you like a, a, about it. Uh, other things is mentorship. Um, I've been doing mentorship for, you know, a handful of years uh for different organizations and and that really it helps you see you know, meet different folks and see how it is leading different folks and what ticks for them and you know how they take feedback is it really depends on the person and so the more different types of people you can work with you, uh, it gives you a better experience and seeing if you like it and enjoy it and uh i know a d p list is out there. I have signed up. I haven't fully actioned it. I'm excited to uh but uh I heard that's a really great place to to be a mentor and and see i mean even if you've been in the field for a year, you can still be a mentor to someone breaking into the field applying to their first job um and see if see if that's something that you're you're interested in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this, this is a whole other conversation about um, the democratization of uh, mentorship, uh, at least in this industry, or actually in any in industry. And I would caution for folks who, who have the desire to mentor others, which is excellent. I, I think the more help, the better. Um, but just kind of to be clear that some questions, if you don't know the answer, or if maybe it like it's it could be so subjective and i'm afraid that as like all this i guess one year less than one year experience mentors it's a bit cautious um or skeptical feeling that they may actually I'm, I'm questioning if their advice um may cause more harm than good so that's kind of my concern on this so as long as there's like clarity and really transparency that hey this is this was my experience that worked for me i have no idea if this will work for like other type of the company or other even market because it's global um or your particular situation because you have a, like slightly different background so as long as there's like this honesty um i i i'm, I'm all for it but yeah just yeah, yeah
0: that's such good advice you know, you're so right uh even i've found myself uh, in the past few years having you know a mentor call and saying i don't know I'm not sure. Let me go away. I'll look this up and find some resources for you because you can't be, you know, you can't specialize in all areas of the product and so sometimes I just don't feel right giving out advice if I'm not 100% sure. Um,
1: exactly. So. And it it goes back to what you said about the imposter syndrome, right? So it's it's really just being is brave enough and uh, self-conscious enough to to be able to admit that like some parts actually i i don't know i don't know and i'm not an expert in this so yeah probably maybe connect with this other person who 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 i talked to about this or who i've heard um or seen more experience in this so yeah yeah, i think it's yeah it's again about (laughs) communication really being transparent and open i think that definitely would do good for both uh, sides of this um, relationship yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's um, let's hear if you have any, I guess, red flags or pro tips from the interviewer's point of view. So what really maybe stood out as a good example of when you're interviewing folks uh, or reviewing their resume or portfolio, uh, like do's and don'ts kind of uh, from your particular uh, point of view and, and your particular experience?
0: Yeah, so one thing I found that was so interesting when... I was interviewing, uh, I was working with this recruiter and right away, they said, you know, you get a full board, full in of applications. And they said, if there is not, you know, we gave them a field to say, you know, why they're interested in, in the role or the company. So, you know, what we're trying to do is find out, do our values align? You do have similar interests. Uh, and And I was so surprised when the recruiter said, if it's not filled out, we archive it right away. I said, well, well, wait, there could be, like, there could be great candidates in there. No, if they don't take the time to fill it out, you know, they're not really that infested. And so I was shocked. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but I was shocked, like, we're archiving these tons of candidates that haven't filled that out. And so one thing to pass on is like, yes, I know candidates are applying to many jobs. I know that, you know, the you have to apply to many to to get to an interview, but please fill it out. Uh, it goes a long way. it It might put you aside, even like give you ten or twenty percent chance more to get through the door. Uh, so please fill that out. Um, you know other than you know from the application itself, you know having a resume that's really clear. Um, i know having a graphic design background at that time it was like make the most beautiful fancy well-designed resume ever like can something pop up and move and like, <laughs> whatever uh it's not the, the case anymore uh times have changed yes like we you know we want to see that you're a good designer but we'll see that from your portfolio the most important thing is that your your resume is clear and easy to read i don't know um, i imagine at amazon you Uh, But a lot of these larger corporations actually scanners. And so it's more important for your your resume to be easily scanned through and, you know, words picked up than to be beautifully designed. Um, Then, uh, you know, portfolio, portfolio could be like another massive long conversation, um, but, you know, two to four really solid projects. Uh, You know, even if you only have two, if they're solid, that's awesome. Don't add in a project if you don't feel confident in it and it's not really strong. Be ready to be able to talk about any of the projects in there um, and, you know, share the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to know what went wrong in the project. No project's ever gone right. Like, tell me if something was behind or, uh, you know, changes had to be made in development. I want to know technical constraints. Uh, you know, short timeline, what, whatever it was. I know you didn't put out the most perfect design, and it didn't get built, you know, absolutely perfect. I wanna, I wanna know what you had to cut out of scope and and all of that goodness. Um, and then in the interview process, that was a long time getting there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, in the interview, during the interview, uh, be yourself. Uh, I know it's easy to be really nervous, uh, but some folks pick up on nerves uh they want to be able to pick up on you know your your personality because it's a collaborative process you know being a designer they want to know who you are if if you're easy to work with if you're friendly um be they want to see the human element in the human side of you and so uh yeah be be yourself uh come with good questions i love getting grilled with good questions <laughs>
1: Could you give an example or maybe two of a, what a good question is for you?
0: Yeah, so for an interviewee to to ask uh the interviewer.
1: Yeah.
0: I love when they ask about, you know, the culture and and a little bit deeper than that, you know, how how does product uh how does the product manager view design and design thinking? uh what's that relationship like what does a a collaboration meeting between development product and design look like um you know how does the company value wellness what are ways that they're valuing wellness uh that tells you right there you should be able to list off a few different things like you know benefits and things of that sort um yeah
1: yeah, it's almost like these questions, and I agree. Like I, I love, I love um, non-conventional, not just kind of the basic hundred, uh, ten questions. Uh, when when it kind of shows their curiosity, like real curiosity, when they, especially when they dive deeper into, what are the examples of how a company supports health and well-being or something like this? Uh, what, what kind of specific programs you have to do this and that? And it also shows their values as well, right? So it's almost uh, kind of another data point to, and always maybe like not 100% reliable because they may be still pulling some questions uh, from the internet, right? So without really generating these questions themselves. So that's still a risk, but it it could be an additional indicator of like their values and alignment uh, from um, like the, yeah, the values um, point of view. Mm-hmm. and the culture fit fit yeah. if it's if it's still a good a good term to use culture ad <laughs> yeah. the, the yes uh
0: i should say also if they ask you know is there opportunities for career development you know they're they're keen they want to keep lo- learning and growing and and they're interested in that area um and so i love when they ask questions about career development
1: yeah it shows that they're there they want to stay and grow within the company then with the team uh, longer term than just 6 12 months and then uh, bail i think that's definitely additional bonus point uh, for many companies yes. uh okay so let's uh, quickly talk about the design ops and uh, almost like the the not a 1 on 1 but really the hands on because from your experience um, i'm sure you you know a lot about that particular side of running a team a design team why is it important and what really what is what exactly does it mean
0: yeah so this is uh so it's funny because design operations working in startups before i mean you don't have the luxury of having a design ops person usually because the team is so small and so yeah. scrappy and moving so fast and so being able to document process and things of that sort rarely happens and so I, you know, coming on to full scripts uh in the leadership role, uh talking with the director, you know, trying to find out where we we spend our time. And so, you know, each of us have a specialization, whether that's exposure and you know, exposing um, you know, the great work that the design's doing within the company or uh, externally outside of the company, or you know, is our focus around um architecture and structure or you know design systems uh or is around design operations we weren't really sure everyone's got a secret sauce what they're really interested in and and so we were talking about what's what's your specialty and Mm -hmm. I explained you know like I said my I really enjoy design process and implementing that and and bringing that into organizations and educating folks and Uh, champion the design process I also have this project management DNA uh I love being you know organizing and planning and setting up agendas for meetings and and my my dad's uh uh, been a project manager well was uh with government for many years and so I love all of that like let's get into the scope and I love working with PMs and we can bounce stuff off each other and prioritize and all that goodness uh the director's like that's that's interesting, okay. And so it's like, design operations, and I went, okay, something for me to research and learn about. And so I've been getting, trying to get up to speed on everything around operate operations within the larger organizations. And the more I re- read and learned like, this is stuff like I love this. This is amazing. Give me like right now. I'm planning out all of our design meetings, so. You know, team bonding meetings, exposure within the larger organization meetings, ways that we can push along different initiatives uh, and things of that sort, right down to like file management and documentation of user research, like all of that good stuff. I get so excited about it. Like, cool, <laughs> that's your special power. Uh, so I believe about 35% of my role is uh, design operations and working with a product operations lead.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds like actually quite a lot of additional responsibilities and project management sounds like a big um, additional skill that can help you become a, a, um, a more effective design ops lead. I wonder if you could just summarize it like in a, I guess, a, <laughs> an elevator pitch. What really design ops mean?
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, That's so tough. Uh, I would say...
1: Maybe, finding, maybe maybe from the angle like what what problem does it solve?
0: Yeah, finding a way, finding processes or building processes to reduce cognitive load for the designers so that they can easily find things and things of that sort, uh, as well as you know operational overhead and different ways to help with initiatives like exposure and team bonding and things of that sort so processes and documentation that help those different initiatives
1: mm-hmm. interesting awesome awesome ask
0: me again next week and i'll have a better <laughs> just as more as i keep learning uh, i'll have a better one for you
1: <laughs> sounds good and obviously this is specific to to full script uh, where you're at right now so yeah, yeah. it will be Probably different even uh, one month later when full script evolves and uh, learns uh, from those new um, programs and uh, mechanisms that's totally cool awesome okay so I think we covered all the questions for today that the main points that I wanted maybe maybe actually do you have maybe five more minutes
0: yeah yes of course
1: okay I I really want to hear one more so Going back to this conversation about the lead and senior and uh, intermediate designers and like the management track versus IC track. From your definition, what makes a good team lead?
0: Yeah, a good team lead moves rocks out of the way so that team members can do what they need to do. So sometimes that's, you know, Going to a different pod and getting answers so that your your team members can do what they need to do, like finding answers, uh, finding tools, getting information, uh, anything that that they need uh, in the moment. That could also be things like teaching small, you know, lunch and learns on something that you're really interested in or or know a lot about, so that other folks can learn um, and grow their skills, mentoring them, being there, um, being empathetic is a big, a big part. Understanding. I think it's become even more prevalent, you know, now with the pandemic and everyone working f- from home, being empathetic. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on in your life. If you had a bad sleep last night, uh, I'd love to know. Cause then I understand you to where your headspace is. Maybe we're not, not going to tackle that hard problem or have that hard conversation today. Um, but knowing that sometimes hard conversations are important that leads me to have because that grows uh, your team. Compassionate, have those compassionate hard conversations. Uh, yeah. What do yeah. you think?
1: Uh, I wonder, I'm just gonna kind of follow up on this, uh, the hard conversations. I wonder, how do, how do you really find the right balance between compassion and empathy and having those hard conversations? Because it sounds like it's almost the opposite sides of that, I mean, you can change the presentation style and just kind of the the style of the of the communication, but it's still you're almost like masking the message and like masking like I mean if we're talking about the same hard conversations, actually, let's start with what do you mean by hard conversations?
0: Yeah, so say your project didn't go the right way or or didn't go out on time something something wasn't completed on time. I mean that's a hard conversation. You have to follow up and say, you know, find out what happened and and how it could be rectified for next time so it doesn't happen again. Like maybe they needed a specific piece of information or a tool or something uh for next time. And so uh have a compassionate conversation is like finding out what's going on. Maybe there's something going on in their life right now, um, and they're having having a hard time. Uh and then, you know, saying being neutral and saying, this is what happened. It, it didn't go so well. Um, you know, how can we make sure it doesn't happen next time? What, what can we do? How can I help you? What can I do to, to be better at that? Um, it's, a, yeah, it's a hard conversation, but doing it compassionately, like not uh, chewing anyone out and don't not doing it asynchronously, like hop on the call, have a human to human conversation. Um, I mean, if you don't have those conversations, then you know it could happen again, and someone might not know. They might just might not know any better, and so that helps them them learn and grow from those conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There are so many things that can go wrong, um, and I think the mindset of really learning from your mistakes and uh, being willing to adjust even the process, or pot- potentially uh, devoting a bit more attention to some parts of the of the project. Uh, in future that can help you minimize the risks of these and actually on on this risk thing uh, risk topic really even maybe adding a step in the process by uh, project planning to identify risks a bit more rigorously so you can mitigate them and really kind of come up with uh, strategies to uh, to m- not make it happen
0: yeah yeah mm. actually our direct director he's really great at also adding in what learning opportunities are there? Like, What career development pieces? Is there, you know, do is there a course? Like maybe that's something we unveiled that, you know, that's something that you need to advance in. Uh, maybe user research isn't your strong suit. Maybe, uh, you know, we can uh, have a course or maybe you could uh, mentor under someone else who's really strong at it. And so we also adds in, you know, where's the learning opportunity in this for us to expand, which is great.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost like, you know, the uh, many folks that I've heard uh, who look at portfolios of candidates uh, find valuable when there is a section at the end, like after going through the whole case study, uh, lessons learned, or maybe like things I would do differently next time, or like maybe, actually I tried this, uh, this um, method with this number of, Of participants and actually this didn't work at all so next time i'm gonna do this uh different way so really ability to analyze um your your actions and the kind of the connecting the actions and outcomes and really uh, kind of analyzing those gaps potentially between the two uh i think it's a good skill for a designer to really learn actually for any person to learn and grow and uh yeah not What's the term? Step on the something twice? I don't <laughs> no, know. no, it's no probably, sorry. Probably from Russian. <laughs> like a problem, um, but basically not repeating the same mistake twice.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> if I yeah. uh, convert it to the Canadian, the English yeah. world.
0: It it's also a great way to show self awareness as well.
1: Totally, and uh, uh, being able to identify those learning opportunities for yourself. Um, at least from my point of view, it's it could be actually one of the factors that help you stand out in the interview process, right? So especially when you walk th- what the person through your portfolio and, and projects and really being kind of critical of that you made some mistakes because everybody does and that you know what you would do next. So it's kind of really those like iterative approach to, to your method of working and uh, even design process sometimes, yeah. So I think it's definitely a good skill, a good skill for designer.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Excellent. Uh, I loved it. It was really, really um, interesting to hear your story and uh, hear the advice and like your takeaways from your career. Uh, it was super valuable. I really appreciate your time and um, it was fun. I loved it.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm so humbled to be able to do something like this. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. It's almost like scaling up your mentoring uh, <laughs> um, ability and skills and advice so more folks can can learn from you. Um, instead of one on one conversation, which are still amazing um, and I would highly encourage. But it's just harder to to scale the impact this way. So, this is like another channel how you can help the, the UX community. Uh, speaking of which, uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, so you mentioned you're on ADP list, right, as a mentor, but has, has, hasn't started yet.
0: Yes, I, I need to fully finish my sign up process. Uh but folks can also reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, at any time at Sarah Donaldson.
1: Sounds good. And I'll include the link in the notes. Uh, well, that's it for today. Thanks, uh, Sarah. This was uh, this was amazing. I loved it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Carol. I'm glad we finally got to do this.
1: That's it for today. Uh, thanks for watching and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all the jazz and uh, have a wonderful day.